longer a Methodist church. I appreciate the Lord. I appreciate the Lord very much. We went over last night. They had a Christmas Eve service. They asked us to come over as many, you know, and I know it was Christmas Eve, so I didn't want to to pull all of you away from your family, but I appreciated those that went. Um, And and it was was different. I've never been anything like that before, never been in a service ever like that before. I've been in a Baptist service before, but that's it. I've never been anything else. I was at a Catholic wedding. So it's different. It is different. Um, I'm glad I'm not a Methodist. I mean that no disrespect. No, no, I appreciate what God did in that move. I appreciate, um, it just will take a few minutes to talk about that building right there. There's three churches in this area. There's one, um, it's right over here at uh, 119th, I think. Is that 119th and 109th? There's another one right over here just east-west of me by about three or four miles. So you have Pleasant Valley, you have Methodist, Bentley Methodist, then you had um, Bethany Baptist. Now, those three churches, very interesting. There's a book here somewhere about the history of Bentley. In the late 1800s, at the end of the 1800s, a revival come through this area, this area, and it was just as small then as it is now. Uh, come to this area, and with the move of the Lord, it built those three churches. Hundred and something years ago, it'd be 130, 140 years ago, something like that. And it built it, that they, they were the people that you had some that were Methodist, some that I don't know what Pleasant Valley is. I don't think they ever claimed to be any kind of organization. But then you have the Baptist Church over here, but but it's interesting that God did that. I believe with all my heart, God did that. And you think about all the things that where we sit today, and, and I understand that America doesn't care anymore about God, but America was built on people that love the Lord Jesus, that wanted a place to worship. And at this moment, we still have this opportunity to gather and worship the Lord. I mean, if you're streaming, and whatever streaming platform you use, if you say something contrary to what they believe, they cut you off, or Facebook jail, or YouTube jail, or any of those things, Venmo, Vimeo, I get the names. So as far as that goes, there's not a lot of religious liberty there, not a lot of free freedom of speech there but and it will tighten up even yet I understand that but in this moment right now today I can stand here and preach to you from the word of God out of the Bible and we don't have guards standing at the door to shoot me if I open the book and I I appreciate that there are many other countries right now that do that they have to there's other message believers in uh in in just China alone and I just don't want to pick on China it's not the only place like that but they have to meet uh in a office building they have to have song service in an office building where no one beside them can hear them singing. That breaks my heart. See, John was telling the Pharisees about the rocks crying out. The rocks will cry out. Now, in certain situations, because of the, the rule of that land, they don't have that opportunity to praise and worship the Lord like you do. See, we have no excuse. We have no excuse. So if you're one of those people that could sit in an office building and no one can hear you praise the Lord, maybe, maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe the Lord just needs to set you on fire. Let me say it like that. Uh, the prophet would say you can't pour gasoline on somebody and throw a match at them, expect them to sit in their chair as quiet as can be. I'm just going to sit here and burn quietly. Don't, don't mind me, people. No, you get a little bit excited. And you understand as far as the body, what we've taught, what we practice, what we believe, that we're not looking for anything manufactured. We want the Lord to move amongst his people. We want him to have his way. We want to have him as expression amongst his people in whatever free way he wants. You be able to lead the same way? That's what I want. I want the Lord to have his way. I don't want it to be Sam Parker's idea. I want it to be the Lord Jesus Christ's idea. His ways, his works. That's my heart. That's what I want for this body. 
I'll take this moment to say that, that just as we kind of look back on the year, I understand that next, year, next Sunday will be the actual labor, um, New Year's Day, <clears throat> and we'll have, of course, communion next Sunday evening there in the building. Um, so we'll have a uh, morning service as normal. We'll have a party at 5 o'clock normally, 6 o'clock, something like that, for the, uh, the, the evening service and to have communion and foot washing. And it, it being that just that first day of the year, and we try to do it four times a year, just what the Lord has on our heart now, uh, just keep that in mind to you know, sanctify your, consecrate your life. Anything that you need to make right, Lord, show me that I can make it right. I, I want nothing between my soul and my Savior. That's the way you feel. Lord, even if it's something I don't need to apologize for, let me, let me go apologize. I, I don't want nothing between. I don't want to get to the other side and say, well, Lord, this was done to me, this was done to me. But he asked you, what did you do about it? I, I don't want that said about me. And I've had to, I've had to apologize to people. I didn't owe an apology. But I'm clean. And I'm clean. I'd much rather myself be defrauded than me defraud, defraud my brother. I, I'd much rather that, that, that my brother be able to get into heaven than myself. I don't want nothing to stand in his way to offending. This year has been, um, it'll be our second year as a church, as an assembly. We're two years, four months right now, five months, something like that. This year has been one of the hardest as far as our years go. What Satan has tried to do against this assembly, tried to come against it. But it's also been a very wonderful time of what the Lord has done for us. Each one of us, we've had our own specific separate attacks come at each one of us. You, you can testify your enemy come in like a flood. He's, he's good at his job. He come in like a flood. But yet still the Lord raised the standard. We're each one still here this morning. You're, not one of us are in an insane asylum. You know, Satan would be very happy to so twist your mind that you would be locked up in insane asylum this morning. You're so knotted up with depression, with, with all kinds of nonsense where you couldn't even get out of bed. But yet here you are this morning. It wasn't easy to come to church this morning. You had to get out and face 5 to 11 degree temperature depending on what time you got up this morning. Most people didn't get up and go to church this morning. It was too cold. But yet here you are. So the devil tells you all the time, you're not getting nowhere, you're not gaining no ground. But look at where you're at this morning. Satan's still a liar. You're still an overcomer. You're still more than a conqueror. So praise the Lord. <clears throat> praise the Lord. I appreciate the Lord so much. Now, as I was, was praying, I didn't know yet what to, uh, the Lord would have for the service this morning. I knew that it was coming up, and I don't necessarily try to have just a standardized if I say it like that, just a Christmas sermon. But I had wanted to have something a little special. It's a little bit something different. And again, like I said in the prayer, I don't believe Jesus was born December 25th. We understand through history that was the S-U-N God. That was through all that was done with uh, Nicaea, with Constantine. They, uh, you understand all the purpose of that. But I still like to take that time and we, we just take this time to worship the Lord. We appreciate his mercy. I understand what the world is twisted into. We're not about Santa Claus and all those things like that. We worship and we serve a creator that made a body stepped inside of it to redeem you and me Amen. now it's the most strangest the most strangest way to do it that he did it but that's still just God's way now any any um um, you know, a strategist, any, um, anybody that's good at theories and as far as warfare and things like that, to how you would overcome, they would never, ever, ever tell you to expose yourself in the most, um, the most uh, tender and gentle and innocent way is the most powerful being to come in the form of a baby. 
It would never tell you that. You always find the men of war. And you don't even get the old men. You get the young men that are well able and trained and ready to go fight right then and there and that can stand up in a fight. Not a baby. Not a baby. That would never, ever, ever pick a baby. And we say this a lot even in our own, in our own worship service, that this right here is the most strangest way of victory. That to raise your hands and surrender to the Lord, the world would, it's, it's an international sign of surrender and they think you've given up. No, no, I, I've, I've stepped back to the one that has all power and I've said, Lord, I've surrendered my life to you and I believe your word that you said that you'll step in and take control and be God in me. So yes, it seems strange that, that, that the God, the creator of everything would, would, would want to be born in the lowest of lowest of places to probably the most poorest of people in a place where nobody wanted him. Brother Brown would make that statement quite a bit that if um, back then, this would be 50, 60 years ago, that if the Queen of England or the King of England when he was still alive was to come to your home or the president or the governor or something like that and would come to your home and knock on your door and you would want to roll the red carpet out, you would want to get the best china out, you would want to make it the nicest, you'd want your house good and clean, you want to come dressed up real nice, you wouldn't show up in flip-flops and sandals and, and you, you want to shorts and you understand you would want to look nice for this, this earthly potentate, this earthly ruler. But the King of Kings comes to your heart every day and you turn him away. This king, this governor, this whatever it might be, come and knocked on your door, and if you didn't answer, he would never come back. He'd have no more time for you. You, you understand that? He'd have no more time for you. But this one who is all power is so long-suffering, so merciful and so gentle, so patient and so kind. And you, you see that part of his person and that part of his, the attribute of God and the character of this Lord Jesus who you are married to. That the way that he would choose to redeem you would come in the lowest of the lowest of ways. I don't know if you could find much lower of a way to being born over a manure pile in a barn. And it had never been another king probably born that way. Never been another king that left such splendor to come to such squalor. But in that, you once again find the very attribute and mind of God that would show you that he who is so great can make himself so small. And it's not just to have something to do. This isn't just to say, well, I want to show you that, I can be, that I'm so big that I can be so small. No, he, he's showing you a pattern of your walk with the Lord. Because the way up is down. Not to be the greatest, but who could be the least. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And there's your human struggle right there. Overcoming your flesh. Uh, the same three things that Satan come at Jesus in the wilderness. That those three temptations that you come up against. Uh, you have the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And in those three, three things, uh, as far as just at the very least, your pride of your life. How selfishness is, can be so hard to overcome in your own self. Now, if you were to, uh, some people that can overcome it in themselves as far as I prefer that you have the better meal. I prefer that you have the better clothes. I prefer that you have the better vehicle. I prefer that you have the nicer home. All those things, some people can come to that, but then to be able to say, I prefer you have the Holy Ghost even if it takes it from me. I prefer you have my place in heaven and I take your place in hell so that you might be saved and I might be lost. It seems strange to say it like that, but that's what he did. 
That's what the Lord Jesus did. He took my place so that I could take his place. He took my place in hell, but hell couldn't hold him. Hell couldn't hold him. He walked up to Satan's door that day and, and you, you've had songs and all kinds of other dramatizations done about Satan having a conversation with death. You can hold him, right? You, you can keep him down, right? Satan, the death's like, course. So no one's ever escaped my grasp. He should have finished up with, yet. See, the statement, every word of God, every mouth, we're told that we're to live by every word of God, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We believe... Come on now, we believe that every word that comes out of the mouth of God is creative. If you were to jump to Isaiah 65, he said, I make all things new. These things that I create. He had already told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, Satan was there and heard what he said and he thought, that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement, but, but can he prove it? He proved it. He proved it. Now, I, and I don't want to, so many people, they like to keep him just in the manger. They like to keep him as a baby, and, and you have other little comedies. And I've got a friend of mine that every time we, we talk about praise the Lord, I always try to, everything he says, I say praise the Lord to it or thank the Lord. And, and he'll sometimes be joking. I think there was a movie a while back that said something about eight-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus in the manger, and they kind of joke like that. And that's where, and, and it's funny, yes, but most people want to keep him there. And, and I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to make humorous, I'm not trying to be funny, but most people, they want to keep him there. But you've got to understand that it was all for a purpose. It was not meant just to be there. There's so much you can learn about the most powerful entity to ever exist to wrap himself up into a form about that big. That you could hold with just a few fingers. All power. Heir of all things. Hold him in, in your hand. And that is that part, and we understand that part. But it was a progression. Redemption has two parts. Redemption has two parts. Coming out of and going into. Coming out of and going into. Whatever you were and coming into Christ. Whatever you were, even if, even in a religious, uh, if you were to use that statement, even in a spiritual sense, that you would come out of the inner court. Coming into the inner, outer court, into the inner court, and you cannot stop there. As a believer in this day, there are no longer two cherubims standing with flaming swords of fire to keep you from the tree of life. That's what was in there. That was the Shekinah glory that was inside that holy of holies. You understand? Everybody understands. You, you don't just make a, a dead stick bud just hanging up next to somebody else's wall. It was because it was in the same room as the tree of life. That Shekinah glory was in there. And even in yourself, you've got to keep walking in. Amen. You understand? The baby, the birth, the redemption, all that was done so that you might have access into a place like that. I hope at the very least of all this, at the end of this service, that you would step back and say, Lord, I'm thankful for what you did for me. Amen. Not just for a body or a group of believers, but what you did for me. Because it must be the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. Amen. To you personally. Now, uh, a few weeks ago when we was in Amarillo, I was just laying and just kind of praying one morning or one evening, I don't remember where it was, but the Lord gave me this thought, and again, I wasn't really even thinking about this particular service, but, but he put it on my heart and, and let me know that this is what I should preach today. That in commemoration, now you remember those that you've read the life story book or heard many of the sermons of, of Brother Ram's messages, that there was an astrologer that met him on a bus one day that walked up to him and said, I can tell you the exact day you were born. 
He wasn't even a Christian yet, had not even given his heart to the Lord being a young man. And the woman told him that she worked some, I think, for the, uh, somewhere in Washington, D.C. For, as an astrologer as, they, as far as they tracked on the moon, the tides, the navy, all those things like that. And she told him, I can tell you the exact day you were born. And he's like, get away from me. I have nothing to do with that. I don't believe any of that. But she told him the exact day and hour he was born. And he said, I wouldn't believe it if you did it. She told him, April 6, 5 a.m., 1909. And he said, well, you tell the sailor standing beside me what day he was born. She said, I can't do it. He's like, why not? I'm a stranger to you. You've never met me before. You don't know nothing about me. How can you guess my birthday? The exact hour. Not just the exact day, but the exact hour. See, you already have in the move of God, and we just talked about what God did in this area from the 1890s even up to the... So, so in 1906, we talked about this some recently, when that move of Pentecost, God moved, and it was God moving in those people. And we've shared that about the, the brother that was... Brother Seymour, the, the brother that was a one-eyed black brother that, had, uh, that, that God used in that move. And that was 1906. 1906. Did I say he was born in 1906 or 1909? Okay, I didn't make sure I messed that up. In 1906, this brother was praying, Lord, I I want more of God. I want more of God. And the man was already praying five hours a day. That was his normal prayer time. I want more of God. The Lord said, pray more. So he started praying seven hours a day. And then God used him right away. God started using him, moving him like that. Now, that move went on for three and a half years. 1906. And it kind of fizzled out at the end of 1909, the fall of 1909. But in that three and a half years, some very supernatural things were done without, without dispute, without argument. If you would have been there and watched the man that walked in without an arm, walked out with the arm, the people that went in on wheelchairs come out and not pushing their wheelchairs over and over and over with the fire department being called. There's a flame of fire coming down from heaven and a flame of fire coming out of the tent and we can't put it out. We need to call the fire department. That, that's for everyone to see. You understand? There's no disputing that. I don't care if you're Lutheran or Methodist or Catholic. You, you see it, there's nothing you can do about it. My friend, if you were there, my friend, he walked in the other day, they pushed him in the wheelchair, he comes out pushing it. That was actually a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine, this, you know, their testimony. So it didn't matter what you were or what you believed, this was God doing it. Right. See, I, I heard, I seen on a billboard the other day that kind of made me think about that, that belief is not faith. Right. Belief is not faith. That people want to confuse those two things. Belief is not faith. There are many Catholics this morning that believe their doctrine very, very strongly. There are many, you to run through all of that gambit of all those organizations. They believe it very, very strongly, but it's not faith. Because faith is a substance. Faith will move where that belief and that doctrine won't move. Now, again, we're in that vein. The truth of what God has done. God in our hour no longer winks at ignorance. No longer winks at ignorance the purpose of god coming in this day and the seventh seal being opened and god revealing himself to his wife and opening these things up that 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 mercy seat that is now placed in your heart that has grace in your life that for those that are under that token and and the prophet would tell you get as many in as you can get as many in as you can jude would talk about those that are on the other side that they only want to separate themselves I think it's Jude 23, 24. They only want to separate them. No, I don't want, no. No, you take that. No, no. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not, and we're not talking about being partakers of their sins. I'm not talking about being partakers of fornication, any of those things. I'm talking about, I love you, Lord, have mercy. This is the truth. This is what God has. At the end of the day, I still love you. You follow me? 
So, in, in just um, the, in that, back to that conversation, and in, in, this is how the message, Early, Early Spiritual Experiences, 1952, she was talking to him on the, bo- on the bus about uh, all the different cycles and the, uh, the moon cycles, different things like that, and she had told him, where's I at? Uh, about those magis. And she was telling him how that um, um, when they gathered together and met each other at the Bethlehem Gate, those three magis that would have been most likely students of Daniel. Daniel was in Babylon all those years, and that all everything that he wrote, everything that he said, that was that was well documented of all the people that were there. They they come following that star, and it wasn't necessarily that a that that it was an actual body in the sky, that it was an actual, uh, and it could have been a celestial body, but I, I, with all my heart, believe it was a pillar of fire. Because he still leads. I, I believe it was a pillar of fire. And it, it's a strange, the reason why I say it like that is because so many didn't see it. So many didn't see it. When it was photographed there in 1950, not everybody in the room saw it. What? 5,000, 8,000 people in the room the day it come in, it was caught and it was authenticated by the FBI and not everybody saw it. They were following these three different stars. They formed the one morning star that hung over Christ. He said one of them was from the lineage of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. Those three stars come together. He said they never went their orbits. He said they, they never, it was just, it was supernaturally given. Here's what I'm getting down to. He said, and on like that. He said, I couldn't understand what she was talking about. He didn't know anything about that. She told him, in commemoration, these were her words, in commemoration of the greatest gift, of that greatest gift that God ever gave the earth, he sends back something lesser in the commemoration of that time. Now, what that is, it, with, with what I, in all my heart I believe, is Christ in this day. I'm not saying that William Branham is. I'm saying William Branham was the Eliezer to God's people, just like Rebecca and Isaac. And, and we'll get into that as we, as we move along. It's, it's not a coincidence that yesterday was the 57th anniversary of Brother Branham's passing away. But <clears throat> turn with me over to Matthew chapter 6. We serve a very awesome and very real God. Amen. And we, we, we quote that uh, statement that Brother Branham made many times that since the seals have been opened that this Bible has become a new book. And that if you can't see and read Jesus Christ on every page, you've got to go back and read it again. Now, we also understand that every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the bride. Now, as you read through the Bible, with this in mind, it changes how you read. You're not just reading about something years ago, something that was done. Yes, that's the truth. But again, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, all Scripture is given for your edification, to benefit you, to help you in your body and walk with the Lord. And you also understand that God is a prophet. God can speak to you right now in your moment. And we'll get further in this. And, and, and I pray that as, as with some of these things that we read to you, that it will start to really stand out and not just become obvious, but begin to glow glare at you that you can never not see it again and and just to kind of preface with this gift was given for you specifically specifically not just the body of Christ but to you specifically can you believe that this morning for you specifically Matthew chapter 6 verse 6 but thou when thou prayest Enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
This is prayer. This is, you, you go into thy closet. This isn't just, uh, you, you can say that as far as a, uh, a way to pray, that you can move into a closet that, that hides you away. A, a, a place that you can get away and be quiet. Uh, for example, I've shared with, I, I like to pray in my, in my basement, in my office, my basement, which is also a bedroom, but it's also directly below my living room. And many times it feels like there's a, um, somebody up there just nonstop stomping their feet. And it's, just, and it's just the way it is. It's just the devil trying to distract me in that moment. But trying to go away to a, a secret spot, a, a hidden spot just between you and God. Not just to be walking along. And again, uh, their prayer is a, is, a, is a many-faceted thing, you can say. You can walk around out in nature. You can pray. You can speak to Him. Uh, you can speak to Him as we close our eyes and pray here. You can speak to Him in your seat with your head bowed. You can speak to Him in your seat with your mouth open. It doesn't matter. It, it's a conversation. The point that I'm trying to make is that you're not just trying to go into an inner room. You're trying to go into an inner place. I'm not just talking about four walls. We're talking about an inner place that wouldn't be described as four walls. And, and, and I, I kind of shared that with you recently about his throne being in your heart, about the four and 24 elders and the four beasts, and all those sit before the throne of God that's in your heart. If you remember that from just a couple Sundays ago. But that inner place, that, that place that you can slip away into, and you don't always just... Um, it's, you can't just always just, just walk right in there. You, you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have in the right mindset. You've got to, you've got to have your spirit uh, submitted down to a place that, uh, that you would be able to move right into the presence of the Lord. And one of the easiest ways that I can think of to do that, barring him stepping in and his presence just starting to saturate and him initiating that, one of the easiest ways that I can think of is to just to start thinking about the things that God's done for you. Think about the miracles that he's done for you in your life. Think about the, the parts of his word that he's, that he's brought and made alive to you. Think about the things and the changes you've seen in your brothers and your sisters. And you start thinking on those things. You, you follow me now? When, when Cleopius and his friend were walking on the road to Emmaus, one stepped out of a bush and they were talking amongst themselves about these things that they've seen and it brought the presence of the Lord near. You with me? It brought the presence of the Lord near. Now in your life, you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have the great I am on the throne of your heart. But there are days that you don't feel him. There are days that you don't sense him. There are days that you think you're all by yourself. But that's not true. We're talking about access, body, spirit, soul. Your, your body can begin to acknowledge and know what he's doing, but it a lot of times will take a blending from your spirit, which is how you think, which is how you reason, and you begin to remember what God has done. And through that avenue, between the two, body, spirit, soul, that you can start to get an access from that soul realm because God works in your soul realm. That's where that seal is of God, and it begins to change the outer room. Amen. The outer room. So it changes how you pray. You still with me so far? Yes. See, you're not just, well, I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to shut the door. Lord, I pray you do this. I pray you do this. Pray you do this. All right, have a good day. See you next time. It's not just about a list. I have, I have a list of people that I pray for. The Lord bless this person. Bless this person. Move on this need. Any of the prayer requests that I remember, that's how I pray. But it's not just that. It's, a, it's meant to be a, a time of communion with him to where that your, your life begins to gain victory just in prayer at least. 
And when you walk out of that room or that place or whatever it might be, you're not the same person that walked in. You're a little bit more alive. A little bit more fruit is beginning. Because it is by glory under glory. From glory under glory. He's changing me from glory under glory. Each moment in his presence is nothing but glory. Yes. Yes. I shared that with you about last Sunday standing here. That, that was nothing but glory. That was the glory of the Lord. That wasn't Sam Parker. I can't just make myself feel like I can float. I'm bound by, this body's bound by gravity. He is not. He is not. And in this prayer, now just as we move down to this verse, this chapter here, they had asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. They wanted victory in their prayer life. They wanted to be an overcomer in their prayer life. I've shared that with you many times. I want to get to a place where I know that every one of my prayers will be answered. Every one of my prayers to be answered. I pray you feel the same way. I'm okay with if it starts with just my prayer for you. Not even concerning me. I'm okay with it. I'd be very happy, Lord, to know that I can pray for you and you'll get your need. I can pray for you and pray for you and pray for you and pray for you and get your need and me walk away with another. I'm very happy with that. I want to know how to get my prayers answered. So they're asking Jesus. They are beginning to understand this person, this body, this flesh, this vehicle, this tabernacle that's been unveiled in this body, literally tabernacling deity. And they ask him, how would you suggest we pray to you? And it begins this statement in such a way, pray like this. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, God is a spirit. God does not have a body in, in, in that, that uh, I try to, let me qualify that statement, that the, 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 the Zoe life of God is not flesh and blood. You understand? The Zoe life of God, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. So he does not exist as you would say, I want to, it's what Job, I want to walk up to your house, knock on your door, Elohim, can we talk about these situations? It's not a man. He's not a man that he could walk up to in this way that he'd be just a man like you. He wanted someone that he could have an access that he would be able to slip into that throne room and that presence and present his need and ask his questions. So when they're asking him this and you have the sacrifice standing there, the the literal body, the literal life of God in that body which was meant to be the sacrifice. But remember, there's not an eternal sonship. That body is meant for a particular purpose. It's meant to be a sacrifice. For example, what happened to the body that he used to speak to Abraham there in the cool of the tent? I'm not trying to downplay a body of God. Please don't, don't let that, that, that will put that in your mind. He spoke in a body. Three bodies were, uh, appeared. He stepped into one and two angels stepped into another. Two angels went down and talked to Simon Gomorrah. He went and talked to Abraham. You, you remember the scripture? Uh, another time he sees him, that, that he's talking to him, and he's giving him tithes. After he's come back from the Slaughter of the Kings, he's paying his tithes to him. He's having that the, the king of Melchizedek had given him uh, food and meat, wine and meat, as far as to ministering to him. He's having communion with him. And even in that sense, where did that body go? Back to the dust. What he needed it for. This body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was put to be a sacrifice, meant to be a, a, a bridge between flesh, badger skin, into the Holy of Holies. By this, by this body, by this blood, by this covenant, by this mediator, by this person, by this light, by this glory, by this experience, by this appearing, by this word, we have access. So they said, how would you pray? And he would say, you speak to him. 
You speak to Him. You find Him in the garden praying. But wait a minute, you are God. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. He tells them, after this manner, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. He spent so much time on the kingdom of God, on the, 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 the life, the presence, the saturation of all that he is. And you notice how it's worded. This is chapter 6, verse 10. Hallowed be thy name. Then verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Not what I want. Not my ideas. Not how you should live your life. How he says you should live your life. This is the biggest problem with humanity. I have my ways. I have my wants. I have my thoughts. And I don't generally care what he thinks. That's the flesh that has to die daily. In this prayer, Lord, I surrender and submit all that I am to your will and to your way. I surrender all of my life, all of my ideas, all of my past, all of my present, all of my future to whatever you want or whatever you say. If some of you look at me here this morning like, I don't think I can be done. It can be done. It can be done. I'm not saying I've done it. I'm saying I'm getting better at it. This is a day by day. No one gets the Holy Ghost and immediately perfect. No, it's from glory to glory. <clears throat> Thy kingdom come, period. You see a period? Don't have it up. Thy kingdom come. You're reading your Bible, period. Period. It should be an amen right there behind that. You know, you find it in Revelation. Everything he says, amen, follows up with an amen. So be it. So be it. So be it. Your flesh should in surrender cry out, so be it. So be it. Thy kingdom come. So be it, Lord. So be it. Thy kingdom come. Now, here's where it gets very pointed. Very, very pointed. Thy will be done. And most people will misquote this. Thy will be done in earth, comma. Most people will quote this as on earth. It's not on earth. It's not on earth. It's in earth. Why would it be in earth? Again, Six foot tall pile of dirt right here. Six foot tall pile of dirt right here. I'm a pile of dirt. I'm his creation. His will to be done in me. In, him, in me, right here, in me. His will to be done in me. His will to be done in you. His will to be done in you. Again, not my will. Thy will be done in me. Again, you find him in the garden praying, Lord, the, the, the flesh is struggling. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh will struggle. The flesh will fight. The dirt will fight. But the dirt can be surrendered. The dirt can be submitted. The dirt can die out to his will and to his way. Thy kingdom come, period. Thy will be done in earth, and it's italicized, as it is in heaven. You would agree that God's will is carried out on a daily basis in heaven. Anybody? No, I don't think so. I think it one particular way. Well, let's even talk about Lucifer getting kicked out. You don't think that wasn't the will of God? You think when he created Lucifer? I don't know. Will he or won't he? No, I need you for something. I have a purpose for you to do. Now you're going to go do it. It wasn't God going, man, what do we do now? Gabriel, what do you suggest? Wormwood, what do you suggest? I don't know. Let's kind of wing it. No. There's too much of God is so perfect. God is so perfect in everything that he does. It's not haphazard. It's not just a shotgun blast against the wall. It is so specifically designed down to the... Past the atomic level. I want to say down too, but there's so much past that. God dwells there. Amen. God dwells there. God in simplicity. <clears throat> Turn over with me to 
<clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. God and simplicity. Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. Talking about what he did for you. And it's not just 2,000 years ago, it's what he's done in your day. You know, up until February 28th of 1963, many people have read the Bible, many people have, have, have looked at it, strained at it, wondered about it, but when God came himself and opened the word and it did it for you, it changed everything. And this is what his word testifies of. Uh, Colossians 1, chapter 5, we'll start right there. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. You the dirt, you the earth, laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth, since that day became your day of accountability. It became your day of accountability. We've shared that with you many times, that each one's marriage date with the Lord Jesus is different from another's. The proposal happened at the same time before the foundation of the world, but each one of us come to him at different exact dates. You understand? So when it comes to you, when it comes to you, Rebecca, what do you say? Rebecca, what do you say? Do you take him or don't take him? And you can even fast forward a little bit down to Joshua making this broad statement. Who do you choose? Who do you choose? We spent the last you know, couple services on the seal of God versus the seal of Satan. The seal of the Antichrist, the locking, the turning you away, the pulling you away from Christ. And what it is, is not Christ. It's that simple. Him, not him. Him, not him. Which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. In you. You're reading, you're reading the same. In you, right? Not of you, not to you. In you. In you. Since the day ye heard of it and knew and knew, you can almost transfer that for a knowing of a marriage covenant. Who is grace? Who is truth? He is. He is grace. He, there is no truth but Him. Amen. There's no truth but Him. All Satan can do is twist the truth and pervert it and to make you where you won't believe it. That's all he can do. <clears throat> the grace of God and truth. Knew the grace of God and truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. I'll pause right there. Your walk, your experience, your time in prayer, your time in communion, your uh, faith, your experience, your love, your, your revelation of Jesus Christ, your personal marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might walk worthy and it would please the Lord. 
You think in yourself, Lord, I want to please you. I want my life to give you glory. Lord, I want to make you smile. When I come to the worship service, I don't want to be sleepy. I don't want to be worried about and distracted. I don't want to be dazing off or this or that. Lord, I want to pour out all of my cup of praise at your feet. I want to give all my glory to you. I want to worship with all that's in my heart. And I don't want to walk away with one ounce left in me. I want to please him. I want to please him. I love him. I want to please him. What was said about Enoch? He walked with God. He was not because he pleased God. Right now you have Paul right here telling you in the letter to Colossians how that you might worthy, walk worthy, that you might please God. Guess where this revelation come from? The one that raptured Enoch. Are you seeing yourself now? Are you seeing yourself now? The one that raptured Enoch, that has made you in this rapture, that's moving from glory to glory, that's day by day literally changing the atomos of you. Adam upon Adam upon Adam upon Adam upon Adam. <clears throat> what a mighty God. Amen. What a mighty God. That you might walk worthy. That you might walk worthy. No, no man can please God. His man can. His man can. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in only some of my works. Only half the time. I got a 10% success rate. 1% success rate. No, all. 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 To get all, you must surrender all. Increase the knowledge of God. Strengthening with all might. Okay, let's back up that last sentence right there. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge of man, not the knowledge of the tree of uh, good and evil, in the knowledge of God. See, you, you find there before the flood, you had Seth's children, you had Cain's children. Cain's children invented science. They broke into that realm. All those different things that they were able to do. And you see all that was built, civilizations and cities and, and science. They had a way to shoot the stars and prove there was no water, no moisture up there. They had that ability. You look over here at Seth's people. Farmers. Huh. But they knew God. We read that to you just recently out of God and Hidden Simplicity that all these scientists, they can put a man in space. They can put satellites you know, headed toward Mars. All these different things. All that, God, that, that man can do on that knowledge of tree and evil. But they, they walk right over a blade of grass. They cannot break down and decipher and discern the meaning of one snowflake. And I said, our God deals so far below than just the atomic level that every single snowflake is different. <laughs> What's the purpose of that? To prove that he's God. Amen. See, once you see him, he's all you see. Everywhere you look, he's all you see. Why are they everyone different? Because he's a God of variety. We're each one here different this morning. We're not all sitting here brown-eyed, my height, my height, my build, my skin color. We're all each one different. God is a God of variety. And what that should do as a body, as a body of believers, that you would be able to look at your neighbor and see that he's different than you and say, 
He can serve the Lord. I can serve the Lord. You look at someone else. She can serve the Lord. I can serve. He can. She can. She. I can serve the Lord too. Look how, I tell you this all the time. It makes me so happy. As someone that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, when I see him touch your life and bless you and move to hell, that makes me so happy and makes me love him more. Because I see God moving amongst his bouquet. Amongst his bouquet. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, uh, uh, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness. With joyfulness. Well, I'm just so weak and weary, and, and I can't get through it. My body is so broken and so this. He said, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You come swap out your misery, your hurt, your pain, your weakness, your age, your tired, and come unto me, the fountain of life, and I will give thee rest. Again, he's a creator, but you don't know my body hurts so bad. He's a creator. You don't know what I'm going through. He's a creator. You don't know what I've done, what all this sort of things, all this not. He's still a creator. Amen. Still a creator. I believe that. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. Made us meet. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, he's talking about you to be an inheritor of the inheritance. You to be the inheritor. Who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In light. Not darkness. Not darkness. In Luke, it, it makes that statement that those that sat in darkness have received a great light. Received, come unto me, that light that's come unto me. You're not sitting in darkness. Isaiah says that the, the world is sitting in darkness, that they're groping in darkness. But unto you the light is risen. Unto you the light is risen. You're sitting in that light of the appearing and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made you made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Again, not a coincidence. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. And have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. But I still live here. But I still live here. But I'm not from here. You see, you're, you're a walking, talking paradox. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when that has quickened the very atoms and cells of your body, and he is ruling and reigning from the throne of your heart, that, that you are an actual paradox. Inside right here in my soul is, is actual heaven. It is actual seventh dimension material right there. Him sitting inside of me, the creator, is right there in thee. But then this body still walks around the fourth dimension. See, the rapture is not, uh, like I said this many times, the poof theory. The rapture isn't, well, we all believe in Jesus Christ and, and on that day, one day he'll appear and, and we'll all take up like sheets floating up in the sky and... And then when they finally launched a man into space and they didn't see heaven up there, and most people became atheists. But, you know, we go up, go up to the sky with him, go up to the heavens with him. They didn't come back and say, well, I saw heaven. I saw everything that John saw. It's not in there. It's in another dimension. It made so many atheists because he, we didn't find him up there. He must not be real. We've been lied to our whole life. Been lied to our whole life. Well, in one way you was. You weren't taught right. The Bible doesn't teach that he's way up there. It uses words like translations. It uses words like caught up into, like a door being opened and pulled up higher. It uses words like heavenly places. 
And then you use his words like, David would say, if I made my bed in hell, thou art with me. Well, I don't understand. Keep reading. Keep reading. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. But the Brown would make that statement about seated in heavenly places. Not one day will be right now. Yes. Not one day will be right now. Oh, one of these days I'll get a seat in heavenly places with him. No, wherever he is is heaven. Wherever he is. Wherever he is is heaven. Delivered us. In verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Praise be to our God. We don't have to come today and, and sacrifice a perfect lamb, a perfect dove, a perfect shit. Any of those things don't have to do that because one sacrifice forever was given. And it was perfect. No, nobody, not perfect. At least satisfactory. No, that sacrifice is perfect. It is perfect. And we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, you have the blood of the atonement. You have the blood of the sprinkling. And then you have the life. The life and the blood are two different things. The blood is given as redemption. The token is given for life. I'll read a little further and i explain that in a minute. Who is the image of the invisible God? Now that's just a conundrum. That don't make no sense. So you're using the word like invisible. Invisible means cannot be seen. Cannot be touched. Cannot be accessed. Surely enough can't be looked at. Is it Peter that said we've handled him? We've handled the very word of life? We put our hands on the invisible one? How is this possible then? That he's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. He was only born 2,000 years ago. Everything was created a millennia ago. So how, how is that possible? And how can you see him? It goes on with more description. That will blow your mind. For by him, the one that was born 2,000 years ago, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, again, in earth, visible and invisible. That doesn't make no sense. Vis what? Are you still talking from a human man? Visible and invisible, whether they be italicized thrones. What did we talk to you like that last Sunday? You are the throne of God. You, you find that four 24 elders all wrapped around you, whether they be in thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. And we just go home and close the Bible right then and there and don't read anymore. Is something left? Something left in that word? Something left in that sentence? For him. Amen. For him. For his good pleasure. It is his good. We just talked about pleasing God. You are his good pleasure. Well, God is stuck with me. And I just, I guess he'll just, I guess he, he just made a mistake when he picked me. And, and then come the rapture, he'll have to take me. No, you please him. You please him. You make him smile. What is the song that says that his smile makes the heaven shine? That his smile, and you make him smile? Oh, isn't that beautiful? Amen. Isn't that just as beautiful as anything you ever heard? We're created by him and for him. He's before all things, and by him all things consist. Again, a paradox. By him, this one human body got all that deity crammed into it. 
five foot eight, five foot nine, whatever he might have been, all that deity crammed into it, and he's walking around upon his creation once again in that body. By him that all things made, by him all things were made for him, by him all things consist. Still keeps the world rolling, keeps the stars spinning, still keeps all the, 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 the molecules and the atoms and everything reformulating every splits of a split, of a split, of a split second. Because seconds are very, very long when you're talking about atoms and molecules. So much things have happened in a split second. He's still consisting all those things. <clears throat> and now here's where your testimony comes in. He's the head of my body. Amen. He's the head of my body. He rules on my throne. He is my Lord. My Lord. He's not just a Lord. He's not just the Lord. He's my Lord. Amen. And fruits follow. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. All things. You read that. You're up there. All things. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Do you believe that? Come on, this is going to be an interactive sermon this morning. Do you believe that? What that scripture says, that in him he has the preeminence. All things would have the preeminence. You know, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, it said that all things are for your sake. Same wording. Same italization. All things are for your sake. Paul says all things are for your sake. No, this test was because of this. This trial was because of this. No, it's for you. For your sake, for your benefit, for your drawing nearer to Him, for Him to have the glory and preeminence in your life. God could use that? It will shock you. Absolutely shock you. Uh, you, you find the prodigal son that is laying there. He's just squandered everything he has, that he was given. All the wealth. Give me my inheritance now. Give it to me right now. I'll take all my inheritance, everything that I would inherit from you. And he takes that and he goes and squanders it with riotous living. Blows it. Anybody looking at that say, yeah, he's wasted. He's done. He's gone. It can't be, can't be brought back. There's no redemption, no restoration. He can never have a door mercy to come back. Similar thing you think of Achan. And you find that, that that statement would be made of how bad he was. And yet still laying in the pig pen, he come to himself. He come to himself. Something caught his attention. Something made him think, you know, in my father's house, the servants eat better than I'm eating right now. That even the servants, I'll go back and be a servant. Think about that revelation that struck him in a, in a pig pen. That even the servants eat better than I'm eating right now. You, you think about the Samaritan woman that told him to Jesus about, please touch my daughter, please touch my daughter. And he tells her that, that uh, the, the food should be given to the dogs. It's for the children's bed and you want me to give it unto dogs? She could have stormed out and walked away. She called me a dog. And uh -uh. No, she said even the dogs eat of the crumbs. You see where her character was. And you find in the pig pen where that prodigal son's character was changed. It became that I'll be a servant. I don't have to be Lord. I don't have to be master. I don't have to rule myself. I don't have to think what I want to think. I will be his servant, whatever he says, will, or do. Yes. He come to himself. And he said that even the servants eat better than I'm eating now. You, you find in the church world of today, the, 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 what they're eating on is not life. At the very least, it's dead manna. 
At the very least, it's dead manna of a message of a day gone by for another day. I, I wasn't born Lutheran. I wasn't born Methodist. I wasn't born any of those walking up from Paul to Irenaeus to Martin to Columba to Luther to Wesley. I wasn't born in those days. You were born in this time for a very specific reason. And yet you've come to yourself. Or even to say coming to yourself. Each one of us sit here today in a different uh, particular walk with the Lord. Some of us are just coming to it. Some of us are further into it. But God is still merciful. God still has grace. You've got to be able to see what God's doing. This is nothing but the truth. Nothing but the truth. Nothing but the truth. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. It pleased the Father. In your Bible, we've got to get one that italicizes. Your Bible, that's italicized. It pleased the Father. It pleased Elohim that all of that fullness would be put into one body. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, again, keeping with the light of your day that every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the bride. So if you're reading that this morning, that you're reading that it pleased God Almighty that all the fullness would dwell in me. In me. I don't mean just me, I mean you. You know, you know what I'm I, don't, I don't want you to think I'm trying to make myself. No, this is you. This is you. Come to yourself. Come to yourself. Uh, we, we shared that recently with you about what they do with amnesiacs. People that have amnesia. Once they get better with his head and whatever it is, they still have the memory. They try to take them someplace familiar. Do you remember this? Do you remember this person? Do you remember this car? Do you remember this place? Do you remember this cliff? Do you remember this sunset? And there's different things. And, and that's what you do with someone that was a, has spiritual amnesia. You walk them back to the Word. Do you see yourself yet? Keep walking. Do you see yourself yet? Keep walking. Do you see yourself yet? Brother Ram gave that depiction about the boy who was raised in the country, never has seen a mirror in his whole life. He goes to town to visit his aunt, and she's got this great big mirror on the side of her wall, and he walks up to it, and he's just startled at it. And he's, everything he did, it did. Everything he moved, it moved. Then finally he comes to the conclusion, that's me. That's me. Simple, isn't it? God hiding himself in simplicity. As I read this to you this morning, your heart should be screaming out, that's me. Right there, that's me. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. It pleased the Father. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him. I say whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, enemy by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled enemy in the body of his flesh in that body in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight that little baby born of a virgin made you whole that you have redemption him as a baby don't help you you understand that it was the sacrifice is what helped you. It was the hearing of what that he did in that body is what helped you. But it, you were, we're not here this morning because of a baby. We're here because of a man that gave his life on a cross. Amen. I love that birth. Please don't. I'm not trying to minimize it or, or downplay it whatsoever. That is nothing but a supernatural creative paradox of, paradox of God, what he did there. But th there's more. 
There's more. There's more. There's more. And this is where so many people get tripped up when the Bible, when they, the Revelation 22 ends, I guess God is done. And this is where they're stuck. God doesn't move anymore. God doesn't do these things. All that was for the Bible. A lot of people like to say that was just the apostolic age. You're trying to bring in the apostolic age. The apostolic age is over when God says it's over. It ain't over. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. I hope you all had a big breakfast this morning. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. And in a little while, we'll go to Revelation 10, chapter, 1, chapter 10, verse 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So, it, it, as we read this to you this morning. Yep, still this morning. If you're not in the Spirit, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you don't have that seal of God, if you're not surrendering your life to that walk with the Lord, you will not catch what I'm about to tell you. You will not catch it. You must be in the Spirit of the composer. How simple, Brother Ram will always make that about an orchestra. You have all your different instruments sitting around. And these different instruments, these different musicians, they sit down. They can't just play what they want to play. They're there to play a particular piece. In an orchestra, a particular piece, whether it's whatever it might be. And they just can't sit down, okay, I'm going to go now, and then you go. No, no, they're led by a conductor. They're led by a conductor, someone that says, you go, you go, you now your turn. Now all together now, each time, each age, each different point, making a particular sound. Amen? Amen? I don't listen to a lot of orchestras, but that's the way it works. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's this day. I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. We'll stop right there. All those seven church ages, everything building to right where you are right now. If we had time to jump in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3, each thing that overcomer got were the next age. Each thing that overcomer got were the next age. And now where you're at right now, as overcomers of this day, with everything that was prophesied from there back to where you're at right now. You with me? Everybody still with me? Right now, this voice, this great voice, as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book. Send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Like unto the Son of Man. I don't know if we'll get to Daniel's, uh, what, what Daniel says about that or not. We'll see what the Lord allows. One like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down the foot and girt about the paths with a golden girdle. His head, his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, they burned in a furnace, as if they burned in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. You know, the thing about that burning in a furnace, it, looked, it didn't say it looked like it had been burned. It looked like they were still burning. It wasn't burned out. It wasn't a candle that went out. It wasn't a fire that went out. It wasn't lukewarm. It wasn't cold. It was still on fire. Amen. 
As he is, so are we. As he is. <clears throat> Gird about the paps. Further down, verse 16. He had in his right hand, uh, yes, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. You couldn't even look at it. I don't even know how you could. Ain't that what blinded Paul? It blinded Paul. That light appeared. It blinded him. And when I saw him, this one, this ancient of days, as Daniel would say, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Brother Ram told us the difference between his presence and his anointing. He said his anointing is sweet and it's peaceful and it's wonderful. His presence, you feel like you want to die. John agrees in the presence of that one. Brother, Brother Eddie Biscoe tells that testimony of driving down the road, the Alaskan Highway, Brother Branham, and, and Brother Branham was driving, and he's talking to him, and, and he, he says something about, you know, what, different things about it. And he said, I believe this is the move of God for our day. I'm paraphrasing and misquoting it. But he said, right then, I'm in the passenger seat, and a being became right here between us. Not sitting on the seat, not in the dash, just right there. And he said, I wanted to die. He said, I couldn't move. I'm frozen. He said, and after a period of time, I'm wondering, what's Brother Branham doing about it? He said, and I, he said, and I see him sitting there. His face has went white, and it looks like he's dead. Driving. Looks like he's dead. And he said, I've only seen that one time before. He said, being a pastor, there's a man that was killed, I think, in a logging accident. I get there so many uh, minutes after he was dead. His lips didn't turn. His hair didn't turn. His face didn't turn. Life had left the body. John agrees. We're not just talking about someone you can walk up bebopping in his presence. I think what I want to think. I do what I want to want. I wear what I want. No, no. This one is all power. There's no joking. There's no playing. There's no kidding. This is God and God alone. Amen. We read that to you in Colossians that all power was given unto him. John says, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. dead what did Jesus have to do to help him he put his right hand upon him so laying hands on the sick still applies we find it in revelations no that's just simple that's just skim milk no you find it in revelations when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not I'm the first and the last about that time John started breathing you think about the deep sleep that he put Adam under. The deep sleep he put Abraham under. I fell at his feet as dead. He laid upon his hand upon me. Fear not, I'm the first and the last. I am, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Write them. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, let's, let's try to speed up a little bit. Run over Revelations. What did I do? Revelations chapter 5. 
Now, we've covered four. We've covered chapter four a lot about what it is brought into heavenly places. Come up into those holy of holies. Come up out of this world. Be not partakers. I've stood at the door and knocked. You've answered unto me. You've heard my voice. You've come in unto me. I've come in unto you. Now, chapter five, you've you've moved through chapter four. Chapter five, verse one. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to even look thereon. And I wept much. I wept much. No redemption. No mercy. No one could do that. No one on heaven or on earth. Who could do that? And John said, it kind of bothered me. He had an emotional response. It bothered me. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And it couldn't just be in heaven It had to be in earth as well. See, verse 3, no man in heaven nor in earth. No man in heaven nor in earth. It doesn't say on earth. Then it goes on to to classify neither under the earth. One of the elders, verse 5, one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, weep not. Behold the lie of the tribe of Judah. Can you imagine sitting there crying and crying and, and complete and utter despair and then an angel of God walks up and says, weep not. Again, Thank you. Why? 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 Why should I weep not? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, we read in Amos Amos 3, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The root means the beginning. He also said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He is the root because he was before David. He was the root of Abraham. He was before of Abraham. But yet he stood, still he stood in the direct lineage in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before, after, during, all things consist. This one, he said, I'm looking at him. Looking right at him. He said, Be, and I beheld... I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, right in the middle of the throne, in the middle of the four beasts, and in the midst of those four and twenty-four elders, twenty-four elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. As it had been slain. Why couldn't this be worded that maybe as if it was going to be offered? Maybe as if it was going to be one day given as a sacrifice. Because this is 2,000 years after the sacrifice had been given. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's this day. The coming of the Lord. In the Spirit on this day. This lamb as if it had been slain. In another place, it describes it as though it had been slain before the foundation of the world. That tells you it was always his plan. Having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat up on the throne. That book, he come took it. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors, which are the prayers of saints, which are the prayers of saints, and they sung a new song. 
They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Again, God's bouquet. And, verse 10, right here, that scarlet thread, that, that clothing of, of, of Boaz pulling his cloak up over you, that Redeemer that takes and pulls you unto himself. He has made us. He has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Kings and priests. I don't have time to go to Isaiah 65. Read that later as you get a chance. Kings and priests. Now go to Revelation chapter 9. This is after the seals have been opened. Uh, the seven seals have been opened and we're told which of those writers were that it was Satan being given more power and given more power. Everything that he was to do was he come forth in the white horse, black horse, pale horse, red horse. I always get those mixed up. But it's Satan moving in those. That's not the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ has arrows. Amen. Satan has no arrows. Satan's a bluff. Satan's a liar. So, uh, then you have Revelation 8, the opening of the seventh seal. Then you're in seven, you're chapter 9. The seal has been opened. The seal has been opened. You're, you're standing right where we are yet today. The fifth angel sounded. 9 verse 1, chapter 9 verse 1. And I saw a star fall from heaven under the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit. There arose a smoke out of the pit. If you look at all the hell that's upon earth today, you would easily say it is covered in smoke. Right? It has touched everything on this planet. All those things out of hell. The Bible says that hell had to enlarge itself. Hell had to enlarge itself. Um, there came out of the, the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, listen to this description. This is not a, this is not a vision. This is not a hallucination. John was there. And these smoke, these locusts come up out of the earth. Under them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Amen. See, the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist, is a mark in the head and in the hand. That is the doctrine in the head, and the fellowship with the doctrine in the hand. It's not a microchip. It's not a painted on number. In those things, it is that antichrist spirit that is, like I said, not Christ. Not word. Not. Anything that's not him is antichrist. How do we know what is him? You're holding him. You're holding him. It's that simple. It's that simple. And it, to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. Their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, shall not find it, and shall desire to die. They will should thou desire they'll be looking to die, and they can't even die. It says death shall flee from them. How horrible! You know what? It's so bad. It's so terrible here. I'm going to kill myself and leave. You're not even allowed to do that. This only happens to those that do not have that seal of God on their forehead. Only happens. Only happens to those that do not have that seal. 
They do not have that token of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their head, we'll pause right there a minute, they, these locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. Now, uh, who here thinks that it means a little tiny miniature horse, a little toy horse? Who think it means a Shetland horse? Itty bitty. That's still a big locust. That's still a big locust. We've had locusts in our house before, and, and we never had none that big. Thankfully, they were only about that big. Miniature horses. But you understand? No, no, no. Horses for battle. It, how, how many times, those that like to read history, have heard about all those great and mighty conquerors that run off in the battle with their mighty Shetlands? <laughs> Nobody? No, nobody called a, a Shetland a mighty steed prepared for battle? That's, a, uh, that's some kind of a farce. That's some kind of a, a, a joke movie or something like that. The shapes of these horses, of these locusts, were like unto horses prepared unto battle. They're literally dressed in battle, and they've come out of the pits of hell for a purpose. And on their head were, as it were, crowns like gold. On their head and their faces were as the faces of men. Now, you've got to watch this as it moves back and forth from their face to their mouth and their hair. Their face, their mouth, and their hair. They had hair as the hair of women. They had hair as the hair of women. Their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. That just their wings, one of them's wings, they had tails like unto scorpions, there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. They had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe was passed, and behold, there are two more wars hereafter. Now, I'll stop right there, but you understand, all of this that's coming upon the earth, all that's, that's prophesied, all this that will happen. Anybody disagree? You don't think it's going to happen? Anybody don't think it's going to happen? This will happen. This will happen. This is punishment. You don't spurn him that long. You don't continue to spurn God. You don't turn, turn him to spit on him and, and, and rebuke him and, and blaspheme him. You don't do that. He is long-suffering. He's very, very merciful. Very, 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 very merciful. Skip down to verse 11. We'll do verse 10. Chapter 7. No, I moved too far. Went too far back. Chapter 9, verse 20. The rest of the men were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the work of their hands. The ones that survived. The Bible talks about those that hide in caves that, that are able to survive. However, and the rest of the men which were not killed by those plagues, yet they still would not repent. Yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold, and silver, and brass, and stone of wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. These idols that they worship, these antichrist idols that they worship, neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. And you would say, of course they can't. Why would, why would you need to say that? Satan so perverts the mind. And Daniel talks about they woo the nations by flatteries. 
They wooed the nations by flatteries. Comes in, well, this is this, this is this, this is this. They seek to say, change times and seasons. Try to, try to change the, the, a, a correct course of thought. Try to say that this is up, but while they're pointing down. Trying to say that this is light while sitting in darkness. It's still not truth. Still not truth. Neither repented they of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor their thefts. They still would not repent. And you think about, uh, you think about your own life. You ever had something, the Bible talks about those that are saved, some through the fire, through some of the flood, all through great trial, but some through the blood. You remember the song? You ever had something that, that you uh, come to the Lord that you had made a mistake on in your life, and it scared you so bad you thought you would be worthy of hell? Anybody? Anybody? You knew you'd done something so bad when it, you knew you was worthy of hell, and it scared you. Everybody in this room, you've been in that place, that it literally scares you, that you thought that if I don't make this right, I will not come back from this. Amen. So, and that's just you and yourself. That's with God dealing with you now. You made a mistake and God starts working on your heart to make it right. You didn't have to have someone come and put a gun to your head. You didn't have to walk up to a furnace of fire. You didn't have to be chunked in the den of the lion's Lord, that's just the conviction of the Lord upon my heart, upon my soul moving. Lord, please forgive me. That's just the, 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 the characteristic of the seed of God. These men see all these things that happen that I just described and still will not repent. Who do you think you are? Can you imagine such a response? So seared away that Peter would say such like that are natural brute beasts that were made to be taken and destroyed. So, for time, I'll speed up. Chapter 9, we've wrapped that up. Verse 21. Now... Chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. Now, I've heard this said before, and I'll make it again, that the message of this hour is not just that God sent a prophet. The message of this hour is not just the first pull and the second pull. The message of this hour is not just a divine healing ministry that went around the world seven times and 100,000 people were healed. You understand? It's not just that. It's not just that a lot of people will say, well, I just want to believe that God loves me. And, and, and that, is, that is a true statement. But there's so much more to that of how God loves you. So is, is that being said that without Revelation chapter 10, the message is no different than any organization. If you were to take Revelation chapter 10 away from the bride, away from the message of this hour, she's no different than any organization. If February 28, 1963 had not happened, you'd be no different than any organization or denomination. But something happened. Something happened. The entire world told about it. It's still in history books today of what God did. And there is, as you track the scripture, you see how God has moved and is still moving even in your day. It brings the Bible alive. Chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. Now, listen to this description of this one. Of, of this one. And I pray that as I read it to you, that Daniel 7 is going over your head. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Revelation 1. That, that's telling you, that's who we're talking about. This one, my Lord, my husband, my bridegroom. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head. His face was as it were the sun, his feet as pillars of fire. He had in his hand a little book open. 
He set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot upon the earth, showing dominion, showing power, showing possession. Abstract title deed. Abstract means search back to the original owner. Everything Adam lost did not go to Lucifer. It did not go to Satan. Satan only squatted, conned, and lied. It went to the original owner, i.e. the creator. And now, here he stands right here. His picture was taken. February 28, 1963. His picture was taken. He had in his hand a little book open. He set his right foot upon the sea, his left foot upon the earth. He cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Amos chapter 3. As when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. John, you're going to go back to 80, 80, 70, whatever it is. You can't write this down, John. You're going to leave the 2000s, whatever year it was, and you're going to go back to AD 80, back to the Isle of Patmos. You can't write this down yet. It will be revealed. It will be given. It will be understood in this day. You've got to go back and you've got to live everything up to this day. You've been brought forward by revelation, brought forward in the spirit of the Lord's day to tell your brothers and sisters who 2,000 years from now will be sitting in a room in Bidley and God will speak this to their hearts. Amen. So seal it up. The angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and he swore by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. Who can make such a statement? Lucifer? Lucifer seeks to change the time. He seeks to change the seasons. But even there in Revelation, there's one or two, that spoken word prophecy, that as long as, as time remains, seed time and harvest, it will remain. Why don't we have spring, spring, summer, winter, spring, summer, fall? No, winter, spring, summer, fall. That's the way God set it in place. That's the way it must be. Satan loves to twist things, loves to change things. That there should be time no longer. Time no longer or no more delay. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Who was that seventh angel? Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. That's who that seventh angel was. He's not asking about who was that first angel, second angel, third angel, fourth angel, fifth angel, sixth angel. He's asking about the one that in 1933 was baptizing the 17th person. A voice come out of heaven saying... Come on, quote it with me. Just as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, your ministry will forerun the second coming of Christ. So you read that. That in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound. So uh, just to make this as plain and as simple as can be, Revelations 10.1 is on the earth at the same time Revelations 10.7 is on the earth. John was on the earth when he pointed at the Lord Jesus he didn't say, I'm going to be gone in 60 to 70 years. This one name, I think it'd be Jesus, something like that, will come along and, and that will be the one. So I'm going to point like that way and prophetically he'll walk into this area. And two th No, that's him. And this picture that we just talked about in chapter 10, 1, the prophet said, that's our Lord up there. Eliezer, pointing the bride to her groom. That's a pretty good gift. That's a pretty good gift. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. 
And it's as he has declared to his servants the prophet. Where we started right there, Hebrews chapter 1. That's how God speaks, through his prophets. That's how God speaks, if you believe the Bible, through his prophets. He declared them to his servants, the prophets. You believe that this morning? Amen. 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 Turn over to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. <clears throat> we did get there. I'm running a little bit late. I apologize. I'll speed up. Revelation chapter, sorry, Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. It was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there come up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld, verse 9, till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, the hair of his head like the pure wool. This is Revelation chapter 1 right here. Hair of his head white like snow. He said uh, they were like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued, came forth from before him. Thousands, thousand ministered unto him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the judgment was set and the book was open. The books were open. The books were open. The Lamb's book of life and the book of life. It's one book, but the book is open. When this one come down, the book was open. You see yourself. Now, real quick, John 14. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You believe the words that God speaks are creative? That he is a prophet. You've got to always keep that in mind. We're not just reading about Jesus having a conversation with John and his buddies and hang like that and this this. No, you, you've, got to, you, you've got to understand what he's saying. You've got, to see, you've got to hear it with the revelation. You've got to be in the spirit to hear it. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It, this is Revelation chapter 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You understand where you're at. You're at this day, this moment, right now. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I don't have time to get into that. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Remember, three comings of Christ. There are three comings of Christ, not two. First, second, third. The first two, most people don't even know what happens. Don't, most people don't even know what happens. How many people knew he was here the first coming? 100? 150? That knew that was God? Not even. The second coming, that's, to, that's prophesied as a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's a, you have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that's telling about the coming of your day. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he goes on to tell you that behold, I come as a thief in the night. And be, be aware, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, lest that day overtake you as a thief in the night. 
But no, it should be some great big you know, earth-shattering boom and, and all these, uh, these, uh, these saints show up and, and millennium starts, all these things happen. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that. It is so plain and so clear that the Bible does not teach it like that. The first two comings, most people don't even know what happened. The third coming, the third coming is the one that's the most notable because you come back with him. Uh, Jude says that Enoch said, you know, the one that pleased God that raptured, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands, thousands of his saints. Jude said that Enoch said that. It won't take you long to read the book of Jude. One chapter. I'll I'll, I'll carry on. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Okay. He was in the first coming, right there in flesh. He's talking about the second coming. That when I come again, I receive you unto myself, that you may be with me. You understand? That you... May be with me. Heavenly places. That, and receive you unto myself. And where I am, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there ye may be also. Your Bible, read your Bible. That's italicized. Pay attention to what he words mean. There. There. Where's the there? Where's the there that you'll be with him also? There. The little room in the tent. There in the Shekinah glory, there in the heavenly places, your revelation is chapter 4, you're pulled up in that hidden life of Christ. Your communion, your presence, your appearing. There ye may be also. You wonder where you're sitting at this morning? And now he's telling back to the disciples, whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the only avenue, the only way through. It's the, or, the door that's been opened. He said, if you had known me, that's not just, oh, I know him. It's a marriage covenant. If you had known me, this is the, 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 the foolish virgin, the five wise, the five foolish virgin. They open up and come unto him. I known of him. Paul would say, I love how Paul would word it. He said, unknown... By most of the world, don't even know your name, don't even know who you are, couldn't even know you know, anything about you, no popularity, no beauty that might desire you, unknown according to the word standards, but known. See, it's real short, and it's real straight to the point, but that should mean the entire world to you. This isn't, again, my little boyfriend. This is him. He knows me. That means that I have opened up myself to him. See, when a husband and wife get married, uh, neither one of them have to relent. Neither one of them have to go to that marriage bed. They don't have to do that. There are many marriages that they don't do that. They won't. They won't. The Bible is very clear about a husband and a wife. But, but you have to open yourself up to them. You must, again, expose that uh, vulnerability, that tenderness, that gentle. It must be exposed. Uh, you don't get more vulnerable than in a situation like that. And when it comes to you and your Lord, Lord, I expose every part of my heart to you, Lord. Come in. Take more control. Take more control. My goodness, that clock's moving fast. 
He said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father. How sayest thou then, show us the father? He said, I'm right here. You don't get more clear and plain than that. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now, if you take that I and move it and put your name in there, and then reread that verse again. Everybody doing it? It makes it come alive, don't it? Believe me, that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and the greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That'll make shout, praise the Lord. Whatever I ask, whatever my request, whatever my petition is, this is where we kind of start our service on, to get a prayer answered, to get a communion and a, and a movement with God. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then, and I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is where most people get tripped up. This is where people get stuck on Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not three persons, three offices. So he says that. If you were to take that and say, well, he'll give you another father. I'll pray the father. I'll ask someone else, and he'll give you someone else that he will abide with you forever. We'll keep reading. And I'll show you where he says, that's me. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. So the spirit of truth is the Holy Ghost, which is the seal of God. It is the Holy Ghost, it is the seal of God, it is the spirit of the truth, and it says the world can't receive it. Can't receive the Holy Ghost. The world cannot receive the Holy Ghost. Did, did you read the same thing I just read? It's italicized. Even the spirit of truth, which is this comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, though the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Wait, I thought you were going to send someone else. No, he said, I will come. I will come. They asked him, why do you always speak in parables? He said, okay, I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. Yet a little while the world see me no more, but you see me because I live. We live also. Amen. Because he lives. We live also. Amen. He lives. We live also. The prophet told us in uh, the church age book, no, 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 um, it's the rising of the sun. He said he was speaking to his wife when he made that statement. Amen. Because he lives, we live. He bear with me just another few minutes. In the message of the token, 1963, this would have been uh, three, four, five, five months Five months after, five months and some change after the, the seals were open. Night, verse, paragraph 93 in the token, Charity, 1963, September 1st. It's been the Lamb all the way through. It's been the Lamb all the way through. It's been the Lamb. Jesus come 2,000 years ago in the body of the Lamb, the sacrifice to be given. We read that in Revelation about that Lamb that looked as though it had been slain before the foundation of the world. The Lamb was worthy. When I looked to turn to see this mighty line of the tribe of Judah, I saw a bleeding Lamb. 
He says right here, it's been the lamb all the way through. It was the lamb in Luther's time. It was the lamb in Wesley's time. But now is the token time that each house must be covered by the token, this comforter. Each house of God must be covered by the token. All that's inside of it must be covered by the token. And the house of God is the body of Jesus Christ. And by one spirit, we're all baptized into this token and become part of it that God said, when I see this token displayed, I'll pass over you. You think about the first exodus. When you see that blood over the doorpost, when I see this token displayed, I'll pass over you. He said, what an hour that we're living. A blood identified, identified the believer because the life had gone out of that sacrifice, could not come back. So he had to have a chemistry. Had to have like a paint, a blood, a chemistry that showed that life went from it. They well, they did that. They pulled the life out of the sacrifice. The very spirit itself of our day is the token. We're talking the difference between the atonement and the life. The atonement is for the redemption, for your sacrifice, for your sins that you are washed in. That's one part. That's one part. Now the life in our day, the literal life of Jesus Christ. The very Spirit itself is the token. The Holy Spirit itself is the token, not the blood. The blood was shed at Calvary, that's true. But the blood, as far as it is, went back into the elements from which it come. When it spilled upon the ground, it went back into the dirt, to the dust of the earth, from the food that he lived on. But you see, inside that blood cell, inside that blood cell was a life, praise the Lord, it was a life, that's amazing, that was started the blood cell to moving. The chemistry had no life in it itself, therefore it could not move. But when the life came into the chemistry of the blood, it formed a cell. It formed its own cell. Then, cell after cell, atom after atom, what was it doing? Glory after glory, creation after creation, changing, changing, here a little, there a little. It formed its own cell, and then cell after cell, then it became a man. And that man was God, Emmanuel, in flesh. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. But when that life returned back, the chemistry went to it. But the token is the Holy Ghost upon the church that they see Christ. As it has to be, because a woman and her husband become one, they become one. So does the bride in Christ become one. The ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. Catch that. The ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. Remember, this is how the church ages. These former, uh, Revelation chapter 3, uh, chapter 2. These former treatises, oh, Theophilus, have I wrote to you that Jesus begins to do and continues to do. His death didn't stop him. No, sir, he returned again. Not a third person, but the same person returned again in the form of the Holy Ghost and to continue the work on and continues on, said the book of Acts. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. That's the token. That's the sign. Now, in actual human flesh, evidential proof form. When Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful, there laid a man who had been crippled, lame from his mother's womb, and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. See, they talked to him and know that they, were, that they were ignorant. These men talked to Peter and John. They knew they were ignorant, that they were unlearned men, but they took notice to them that they had been with Jesus. People meet you, 
talk to you and say, it seems like you've been with Jesus. You're different. You're very different. So the token was there, displayed, not hidden, displayed. And he says, such as I have, seeing a poor fallen brother laying there crippled and disfigured and everything and the same life that was in Christ was in them such as I have in my name you shall cast out devils not I will but you will if you say to this mountain not if I say it's if you say to this mountain oh brother the eye that the token to be displayed it's at hand we can see it we know that we're near the end now we brought all these kinds of messages up to show signs and wonders here we come back for what the church has got to do the token has got to be displayed when I see the blood I'll pass over you nothing else would work it must be the blood the Holy Ghost, our token from God. Let's all stand to our feet this morning as the musicians come. And I'll read that to you one more time. They're out of the book of John. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But you see me. You see me. And because I live, you shall live also. Because I live. You shall live also. What a mighty God we serve. Don't you love him this morning? How wonderful and precious and kind he is. Amen. What are you playing? From glory to glory.
amazing grace and unmerited favor. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We appreciate your word, Lord. We pray that you would take it, Lord, and put it exactly in each one of our hearts and our minds and our and everywhere it needs to go, Lord God, that it might that, that, that the man of God might be established, that the woman of God might be established, that this word might edify us, that it might pick us up higher in you, that it might help us in our walk with you, Lord God, that, that we'd be stronger, that we'd be more sold out, that we'd be more dedicated, Lord, that we'd be more fierce against the enemy, that we'd be more loving and with our hands outstretched to all the other loved ones, Lord, and believers that, that you have us here to meet. Bless our brothers and sisters today, Lord. Lord, I pray you'd have your way in our lives. you help us as we go our separate ways. I pray you continue to minister to us in our lives, Lord, that your word continues to go off like a Roman flare, Lord, from Scripture to Scripture, from life to life and glory to glory. Bless us each one today, Lord. Bring us back from the next time of worship, Lord, with, with you in our heart, with our, our, our hearts and our lives on fire for you, hungering and thirsting for more and more of you. Bless my brothers and sisters, we pray. Touch their bodies, meet their needs, Lord. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You are dismissed. And remember, everyone's welcome to come to the house for lunch. God bless you.